All right, Nick Thomas is back, uh, back for week two. We're lucky enough to have him two weeks in a row. What's up, Nick? How you doing? I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing well, Ward. Thank you so much for having me back. It's good to be here. I'm excited to talk about cloud stuff again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So for the listeners, kind of the reason Nick is back on, and hopefully we see a lot more of Nick uh, moving forward, as he's a great resource to cover. A multitude of different topics, but um, we you know we listened back to the episode, our first episode that we released, um, and we kind of realized that we left out some you know things that might be helpful to listeners. So we covered the shared responsibility model, um, and you know Nick did that incredible pizza analogy for you, covering IS Pass and SaaS um, services, but we. You know, failed to leave you with practical examples of each. So we wanted to come back on today and kind of just do a quick, uh, quick episode giving you examples of each. But before we hop into those examples, uh, Nick, would you mind just you know a brief overview of what shared responsibility is? And then to the listeners, it'd probably be helpful if you haven't listened to that first episode uh, to go ahead and go listen to that one because it's gonna be great for context for this episode. But yeah, Nick, how would you just lead us off? What is shared responsibility again? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, you know, we had a great episode last time, but I know we're trying to keep them short. So I'm, I'm glad I'd, I'd have the opportunity to come back and kind of, you know, touch base on these again. So with, yeah. with regards to the shared responsibility model, we're going to use Microsoft, for example, um, you know, in certain, in certain situations and depending on which cloud products you use, uh, the cloud service provider, which is Microsoft in this example, will take more responsibility based on what type of products or services you're using. Like I mentioned, that varies on the scale between IaaS, PaaS, and SaaS. Um, like I mentioned last episode in the pizza analogy, the these vary quite drastically sometimes <laughs> with, with IaaS leaving the most responsibility on the customer still. So... When you use infrastructure as a service products, uh, I want to clarify the type of technological responsibilities that still uh, rest on the cloud service provider, which, like I mentioned, is Microsoft in this case. So when deploying these IaaS workloads, the CSP will retain some key responsibilities and the customer needs to rely on them for. The CSP still has to you know, uphold their end of the bargain, even though they're only responsible for a small piece of the pie in the grand scheme of things. So examples like these responsibilities are things like the physical hosts, the physical servers themselves, and the physical network, you know, composed of all of those fiber optic cables and copper ethernet cables all over the data centers, uh, interconnecting all these hardware devices with one another to make sure everything works how it's supposed to work and data can be transmitted between them. And of course, the physical data center itself, and that is just a small sentence that represents an enormous responsibility. Yeah. Um, they, they're kind of, the data center is kind of like the last line of defense for how hackers can imagine how they might negatively affect a website or application. And there are very strict access policies for these types of spaces. And they often exist in very expensive locations, like places that are like naturally resistant to inclement weather and things like that. Because if you if you have inclement weather coming through causing causing problems, then you know people's technology won't work, and that's that's not what <laughs> that's not what the CIOs want of the world. So, an, another important criteria for these places to have is is power. 
data centers, especially at hyperscale, like CSPs are considered, like Microsoft, Amazon, and Google, uh, the data centers that they run use an astronomical amount of power. And if that power were to still somehow go out, uh, there are very expensive measures in place so that the entire data center does not fail. Things like battery-charged UPSs, which stands for uninterrupted power source, these are these are all over the place in data centers. Uh, in case you just have like um, a very local power failure to a certain server rack, there's probably a UPS there that can keep it up and running for a couple hours. Before. So it gives you an opportunity to to remediate those issues. Uh, and one more particular example I like to mention is it, it's very common for these types of data centers to have very large diesel generators to create power for these data centers for a given amount of time, depending you know how big the data center is, how big the engine is, how big the fuel tank are. Um, and as you can imagine, these types of things are very carefully engineered and very frequently conducted tests upon them to make sure you know, you know exactly how many kilowatt hours you can get out of your diesel diesel engine backup, uh, things like that. So, how much fuel the tanks can hold, and what percentage of the data center can it can support, and for how long, basically. So, obviously, the, these types of topics can be very complex very quickly. Uh, but the amount of effort required to like plan all this stuff out and implement this type of technological stuff in these physical spaces called data centers. Um, that is absolutely uh, a huge value prop of using cloud technologies, even if it's just for infrastructure products. Thank you. Super helpful, super helpful overview. So now that we kind of have that, you know, recap there, Nick, let's start with IaaS. So this would be um, the cloud service provider is relied on for the, for the least amount um, of resources, uh, but what would be a practical example, just so you know, our listeners can kind of, you know, put a picture to what IaaS is. Yeah, absolutely. So IaaS, you know, kind of like I was just talking about, um, the most common example of IaaS is the is the virtualized servers, the the physical servers and virtualized servers or computers that are often referred to as VMs, which is short for virtual machines. So I'll just say virtual machines from here on out. Uh, virtual machines are probably the most common example of IaaS. When you when you you know spin up, so to speak, a virtual machine with a cloud service provider, you have access securely over the internet to that computer or server with a particular amount of resources that you know you chose when you when you spun it up. Um, another really important one to call out is the networking infrastructure. Like I mentioned in the example uh, a minute or two ago, uh, all of those fiber optic cables and, and copper ethernet cables that are running throughout that data center, um, that, that the physical networking infrastructure is is no, it's no small uh, effort. You certainly cannot ignore that as well. So those are the, those are the, probably the, the two most important type of things that come to mind when I think of infrastructure as a service. Yeah. And, both necessary. Those kind of cornerstones of infrastructure. So, um, yeah, shouldn't overlook those. But that's great as far as IaaS goes. Very straightforward. Um, let's hop into pass offerings. What would you say is a a good practical pass offering um, for our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of one of the things for infrastructure that I I just remembered as I finished speaking was storage as well and storage plays a major part when we talk about PaaS offerings because, you know, storage can 
be very complexly, you know, managed on the back end by the cloud service provider like we're about to talk about. But it can also just be, hey, give me a, you know, a virtual disk or a, a storage account with a, a container that contains this much storage, you know, things like that. So with with PaaS, though, it might be a tad bit more challenging to describe to a non-technical audience without knowing the intricacies of standing up and building different IT platforms like databases, which is, you know, just storage when it comes down to it, uh, or IT service management tools, um, APIs, software development kits, uh, code development environments, and things like that. But a way I'm going to try and describe it is like this. Just think of platform as a service as a a platform that allows IT staff and developers to create and develop and build software, make software better. Uh, it provides them with the, you know, quote unquote platform to create and improve software with already built in features to help them do it. So you can think of this quote unquote platform that's being provided to them, typically, you know, presented to them on a graphical user interface or a website where they can use a mouse click and a keyboard to interact with. That's kind of like the, the first thing you see. And then part of that PaaS offering also includes the cloud-hosted backend, the physical underlying hardware that supports the so-called quote-unquote platform, <laughs> and uh, the, the scalability behind the scenes of how much compute is necessary to, to use that platform. Um, so what exactly it provides obviously varies. I know it's very vague, and I'll, I'll just give one quick example of uh, of Microsoft Azure's most one of their one of our most popular platform as a service offerings, um, and it's it's called Azure App Service. And the name is very vague because it it provides a very wide variety of things. <laughs> I'm I'm absolutely no expert on Azure App Service, but basically it hosts apps for you. You provide the Azure App Service with code. That's it, just code. And it takes care of the rest, oftentimes hosting it as a website or just as an application. It supports many different programming languages with integrations with different APIs, ability to host Docker containers, and integrations with your code delivery and repository websites and things like that. So basically, the idea is you give it code and it hosts it for you. End of story. All the backend stuff, like making sure there's adequate hardware to handle all the requests and all the necessary com to, uh, compute to run it, all that type of stuff is managed by the cloud service provider. So, it's awesome. That's great. Uh, love the example too. I think our app services and, and things like that on Azure are super powerful. And uh, again, I'm also not uh, an expert on that, but I've really enjoyed uh, learning more about it. So I appreciate it you uh, using that one as an example. Uh, we'll go ahead and go to the last, uh, which will probably be most familiar to our li listeners just because there's a uh, variety of examples we could use here. But let's talk about a SaaS um, offering example, Nick. Yeah, absolutely. This will this will definitely uh, this will definitely be the most familiar to our listeners, which is which is great. Um, it, it, like I mentioned in the last episode, uh, SaaS offering is most simply put as delivering an application to you securely over the internet. Um, SaaS, like I just mentioned, you know, it definitely will have the most recognize, recognizable examples to the non-technical software consumers. Uh, the majority of SaaS products you interact with 
in your daily life, you will not have to go out and buy new hardware or probably you won't have to install any software or maintain or update any software. Software as a service is kind of just like the out of the box functionality with many SaaS products available to you just by going to a website. Uh, things like Outlook.com or Gmail.com, you know, email services that are provided for free to you are considered SaaS products. That's probably the most one of the most easy one to think of for a SaaS product is the email as a service that's provided to you. Um, <clears throat> along with that, all of Microsoft 365 slash Office 365 is also considered software as a service. These are software products that are delivered to you securely over the internet, and they also happen to have cloud features built in, like accessing OneDrive documents and files on all sorts of different devices with the autosave features and things like that that come built in. Um, and one of the most recognizable examples I could think of also was Netflix, for example. That is absolutely yeah. a software as a service offering. It, what it does, their software delivers on-demand movies or videos to you, saving your progress with each different show and you know delivering you with curated content based off your viewing history. Uh, so that's that probably will resonate well with with a lot of the a lot of the listeners out there, and also with with saying that you know you can also think YouTube is the exact same thing. So that's also a SaaS product. Yeah, and I I actually love that you use those as the last examples because I think it illustrates very well the benefit you know of a SaaS offering is a ton of us don't have you know a very techie background but we all are leveraging SaaS so I think that's the benefit of you know leveraging SaaS as a solution is you know you don't have to have you know, super technical expertise to you know get it up and running as a solution for for your company um, so it's super effective and super um, you know as far as timing goes it's it's low you can get it up and running pretty quickly. So it's very helpful um, in that sense. But Nick, thanks for, you know, this is a quick episode. So thanks for hopping on and clearing some things up. Uh, and then, you know, Nick and I were actually talking last week, you know, we really want this to be listener friendly. We want to be covering topics um, that are, you know, you know, of help to you. So, let us know what, you know, what you're not grasping, what's not resonating or, you know, what topics next that you would love for us to cover. And we'll, we'll definitely do that. Hopefully that's with Nick. Um, and yeah, Nick, do you have any, any last thoughts or anything on your mind moving forward? No, I think it sounds great, Ward. I, uh, I appreciate being here. Thanks for having me again. I'd be happy to hop on, you know, as we get any particular questions from customers, try to shed some light on those or you know, maybe just talking about any particular topics you'd like to in the future. I'd, I'd be happy to, to be to be a guest as many times as you have me. <laughs> that sounds great. Well, we will catch you all um, on the next episode and make sure you're engaging on, on our LinkedIn page uh, and let us know how we can help you. Uh, in the meantime, uh, enjoy your holidays and Nick, uh, have a great rest of the day. Thanks for being on. Yeah, me too, Ward. Thank you guys so much. Cool. I'll uh, 